the wealth of information that you can find if you follow the right people is outstanding. There's things that I've learned even living with the illness that I would not have known or realize that other people go through. But also there's people that paint a different picture of it. There's people that minimize mental illness, that think we're faking it. There's people that like to comment, why don't you just kill yourself then? You know, things like that. And it's the haters do come out. So you have to kind of have a thick skin, which living with the mental illness, I'm either like tough as nails or I'll cry at the first mean comment I get. So it can, it can vary, but I've had more of a positive experience. everyone. Welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Tiffany Romito. She got her master's degree in special education, is a special education teacher and writer for BP Hope Magazine for Bipolar Disorder, and has been featured in Healthline and the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses newsletter. And she's also a mom of four boys. Hi, Tiffany. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. I'm good. I am happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. I'm very excited. I've been following you on Instagram for some time. So I got like super excited when you said you'd be on the podcast since I'm like a fan. So Yeah. Um, so I have a lot of questions and like about different topics, but um, you know, for the listeners, I'd, I'd be curious to see if you'd be interested in sharing maybe some of your journey and like some of like your personal story. Yeah. So I was diagnosed bipolar twice, uh, not just once. Uh, so the first time was in 2013. I was in my 20s and I had a really bad opiate problem. So I was undiagnosed at the time. So I was having symptoms and just to kind of thinking I could calm them down. I, I turned to drugs and I ended up liking them. So first rehab stay, the psychiatrist was like, you have bipolar one. And I was like, no, no, I don't. So it took some time after that. So about four years later, I got diagnosed again and I took it seriously since then. Was there something that had helped? Like, cause it's, it's a lot, right? I think diagnoses in general and, you know, that's like kind of like a lot to take in. So like, what was it like for you to like hear that? Like hear, like hear the diagnosis? Well, the first time, I mean, I really wasn't ready to give up the drugs when I uh, was in rehab. It was involuntary. I had a psychiatric stay because I had attempted to commit suicide uh, like a week prior getting sent in. And there was just so many emotions going in my head that I 
immediately was defensive and I was like you must be bipolar not me so I I didn't take it seriously and I ended up relapsing probably a week after I got sent home um but then I moved to Seattle and that definitely helped because I did not take any medicine for four years I just remained bipolar and unmedicated um, off the opiates when I moved to Seattle so for me change is always nice in the beginning. So that helped kind of quell the symptoms a little bit, but they always, they always come back no matter where you are. Was there something about Seattle? Like what was it that had helped as far as that? I met my husband and we procreated pretty quickly. As she said, I have four kids. So after my second kid, they were 15 months apart. I had severe postpartum depression, like psychosis. And I ended up getting arrested one night and I was sent to a hospital and there they gave me the bipolar one diagnosis again. So after that, I started, I I really, really started the therapy and the medication management plan and put in the work. So for me, I always learn things the hard way. I have to hit rock bottom to kind of make myself better. Thanks for sharing that. It sounds like you've been through a lot, you know, and um, all of those things sound just stressful on its own, you know, and then now to where you are, you know, I think like you're quite successful and like, you know, like I, like I mentioned, like I follow you on Instagram, like, wow, like she puts out like really good content. And then I've, um, you know, seeing some of your stuff on like, B- I love BP Hope magazine, by the way. I've been like reading that for years and I think it's so cool. Um, and so now, you know, you've become writing, you know, writing for you. Like, how did that, how did that happen? Like going from writing and then also writing about, you know, topics that you have like experiences in. So during the pandemic, I was bored, like most of us were. So I started a blog. It was called farmerish.org. It's still around because we had bought this little farm and I put pigs and goats and bunnies and all sorts of animals that I probably shouldn't have. But anyway, I um, started this blog and I was just open about it. It started with my about me section and it was like, you know what? I have bipolar disorder. I'm going to add this in there because at first the blog was going to be like, farmerish based but then I realized I know nothing about that but what I do know about is is life with a mental illness so that kind of turned into a lot of opportunities mm-hmm. with DP Hope, NAMI, Healthline so it, it's funny how like the, the smallest thing can turn into something that you have no idea. Yeah it sounds like for you it was, it was a pretty organic process in that like going from like the like your personal blog and then transitioning also kind of going more into like the writing and especially for for magazines that's pretty neat yeah and then I was published which was I did not expect that to happen either so it it was a whirlwind of a year for the writing for sure and that definitely helped like manage my symptoms because I can get it out on paper when I'm typing, just my thought process. And honestly, how I talk is how I write. So everything you read are just jumbled thoughts kind of put nicely together. When did the, when did your social media start? I started that like 2021, I would say. I mean, I always had an Instagram account. I've always had a Facebook, but not to promote 
just family pictures and things. So I started social media about a year ago. Yeah. What's that, what's that experience been like for you with like your social media, like Instagram? So I want to say the best thing that I found, I, I meet people like you. I get to have opportunities like this. Uh, the community that I've built through my followers and the people that I follow, I honestly, it's funny when they say that strangers support you more than the people that you ever know sometimes will. And I've never met some of these people, obviously, and they just, they're always in my corner, checking in, making sure I'm okay. So that is like the best thing that I found with social media. There's also obviously drawbacks, but... Since you do have your Instagram, you know, and, and also having, um, <clears throat> you know, personal experience, like with bipolar disorder, how do those two things go together? Like, I think there's definitely positives in like a lot of ways when it comes to social media, like especially during this pandemic, right? That, that was so helpful in many ways and feeling connected. And I think there's also like when the information's accurate, it can be like really helpful. Um, to like learn more information, right, about what someone may be experiencing. What are your thoughts on like social media and like even social media as it relates to like mental illness or bipolar disorder? The wealth of information that you can find if you follow the right people is outstanding. There's things that I've learned even living with the illness that I would not have known or realized that other people go through. But also there's people that paint a different picture of it. There's people that minimize mental illness, that think we're faking it. There's people that like to comment, why don't you just kill yourself then? You know, things like that. And it's the haters do come out. So you have to kind of have a thick skin, which living with the mental illness, I'm either like tough as nails or I'll cry at the first mean comment I get. So it it can vary, but I've had more of a positive experience. And even the um, kind of like the upkeep of, of social media and like content stuff too can be um, can be a lot, I think. Well, I find like in growing your social media, like content obviously is king even in writing, mm-hmm. but it's the engagement. That's where you get people that want to follow you, listen to you, read your stuff, click your links, whatever you have doing on going on social media. Uh, so the engagement is what I spend a lot of my time with, talking to people. But that also brings distractions. It triggers my bipolar. It doesn't, it's not always great for mania. So again, there has to be boundaries. How do you, like, how do you navigate that? So I don't, I just have my phone on me all the time. <laughs> Okay, I'm like, okay. So I really have to be mindful. Like if I'm with my kids, I have to turn my phone, not off, because that's just too much. I'll just turn it on silent so that I don't hear those notifications. Or I just turn it off completely because like the sound off, because I will continue to go back to it. And mm-hmm. it's almost like the mania drives it because it's triggering something in my brain that's like, come on, do this. This is, this is fun. This is exciting. So it's hard for me to like, put myself back into that stable place of where I am focusing on the things that are important, like making dinner for my kids, going over homework with them. So it's distracting for sure. Yeah. It sounds like having to set like kind of limits and boundaries that work for you. Cause you're right. Like in, in general, like social media, um, 
it's very alluring and it can be fun to get that instant dopamine a little, you know, and all those likes. And, and then if you're creating content, you know, we think like kind of maybe some goal directed activity or, you know, something where you're like, Oh yeah, I want to do this. Like getting really, really excited. And sometimes that can kind of get yeah. kind of tricky. Yeah. It's hard. Like any something you're passionate about, it, it, it becomes tricky to prioritize, but also prioritize other things and not become obsessed with it, I suppose. But social media is addicting with for everyone, whether or not I think you are promoting yourself or you're just going on as just an observer. Yeah. And also even like when I think of social media, sometimes I think of like sleep, like too, like if you're up, <laughs> up looking at things or you hear the dings or, you know, you want, you have ideas, maybe even, um, I've experienced that as well, as well. I'm like, oh, oh, that sounds like a great idea, you know, and you're kind of like up. <laughs> I'm excited, you know. Was there anything I didn't ask about the social media and like that you want to um, like you feel it would be helpful for like the listeners or viewers to know? The one topic that I feel like that doesn't really get brought up a lot with bipolar and it's an uncomfortable topic, I think people don't like to discuss it, is hypersexuality. And it's a real thing with mania. And I definitely think my one takeaway is social media can trigger that hypersexuality for sure. So you have to be careful. So in order to grow, for me, for instance, sadly that I've noticed is if I put a picture of myself as the post rather than just a caption of my words, the post with myself will perform better. If I sexualize it, it'll perform even better. And by sexualize it, I mean, you know, a little off the shoulder thing. But it draws in attention, of course. And you're trying to get that attention because you're trying to raise your engagement. But that also triggers, at least in my experience, this over-sensualization, hyper-sexuality within myself. So boundaries are very important. What have you found helpful for that? Uh, the block button. <laughs> yeah, just the block button. Because also in my beginning days, I was told that I should engage. I should talk to everybody. Because the truth is, even though I do post pictures like that, that might not be niche mental health related. The captions usually are. But my audience typically, whether they range from people with bipolar or they're neurotypical, everyone has mental health. You know, like we all go through things. So I try to talk to everybody, but there are people that are very inappropriate that I have to have the block button for. Yeah, definitely. Even um, what you said about like in the beginning, kind of needing to respond to everybody, even like that's a lot to manage. I know that, that expectation even, you know, but like the way my mania works, it is my they're just firing. So I enjoy, I enjoy it's this this constant ping 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 ping. So I will rapidly fire conversations back with people, and then slowly it can turn inappropriate. So that's when I have to like rein myself back in and put them in their place. That's hard to go through and to get those comments too. You know, it, when you put yourself out there, like. It, it does, like I said, put in a lot of opportunities for not just haters, but admirers that don't have their own boundaries, you know, and I don't, it's obviously inappropriate, but at the same time, people go through things too. So I can't 
I can't judge how other people act. Yeah. Have there, um, like the other side of it, I know like in the beginning kind of you touched on um, the connection or like meeting others, you know, have there been um, comments or responses or experiences that were like super positive when it came to like your social media and like your Instagram and everything? Always, especially like the ones that actually read my captions or understand like the underlying message that I'm making in a seemingly silly reel um, or TikTok is that people resonate with it. So I try to make it as relatable as possible. And just hearing that, like, you know, it helps that someone else goes through this. And the thing is, I don't offer many tips. Like, I know how to take my meds. I know exercise and eating well helps, therapy. But all I really do is just share that I'm just like you. You know, I just keep it real. Yeah. It probably um even helps people feel like, seen in a way like there's different ways of feeling seen you know and like sometimes it's like knowing that there's somebody else out there that maybe has those same thoughts that you had or is experiencing the same thing you know and I think for um you know for different diagnoses and especially ones like you know that are super I don't like it but that it's like very stigmatized like bipolar disorder people can feel very alone or have um misconceptions and stuff about you know what it looks like but like you said like just like you you know so I I would think too it also is super helpful for others to just like see a profile and see posts of someone else who's like has the same experience or some something similar yeah and like I I'm a mother I'm a teacher I'm a friend I'm a daughter there's so many other things that I think can be relatable Mm -hmm. but I also happen to have a mental illness yeah. And then it encompasses all those things, right? It's not just like one identity. It's just like a part of you, but it's not everything. No. Right. And the only thing. Yeah. Was there anything I didn't ask about that you wanted to to bring up? So you obviously are a therapist. What is your number one piece of advice, would you say, when it comes to I guess hypersexuality and bipolar disorder? When that that urge just pops up mm-hmm. I think like a typical therapist I'm probably gonna see a really long answer so brace yourself <laughs> um so when it comes to hypersexuality I think I like that you brought up that it, it can look different right like I think people may think oh it's like sex but it's actually like it'd be flirtatious like showing a little more shoulder like you had mentioned like kind of knowing what yours are and actually like how it manifests for you And knowing that, that awareness helps to then start to catch it when it's happening. Because usually it's just like you're kind of dull, right? feels great. Let's just, you know, keep going. But knowing like your unique um, manifestations of it, that's like step one. The environments where it shows up, maybe in this case, you know, social media, dating app, whatever, you know, whatever it looks like. I think there's there's so much in just knowing yourself and knowing when what the red flags are and when they show up. And I think if that is done, and this isn't just for hypersexuality, it could be for like any symptom even, that in itself I think is like huge and is super helpful. Self-awareness. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important. I, I have like, I know when things are poor choices, so there's the self-awareness, but the output is tends to be, 
a similar behavior. So it's very like conflicting, but I am working on it and not obviously the hypersexuality piece, just the whole yeah. spectrum of bipolar disorder. Yeah, I always say um, it can be hard to tease apart, especially when it like is something it brings up a lot of emotion or it feels really good, whatever the symptom is. So it's kind of like knowing, okay, is this me or is this maybe an episode or a symptom and kind of like kind of starting to kind of piece those apart? Because sometimes I hear people say like, but how do I know or kind of struggling to trust myself or like, how do I know if it's this or that? And it's like, well, Let's kind of take a step back and, and actually do that, that separation, like kind of you versus the episode or you versus the symptom. Is that something you would normally maybe do or is that kind of maybe like a tad bit out of character? So I am run by emotions and feelings and I'm very emotionally driven. I don't look at logic. So it, it, that's a, it's a hard concept for me and I'm very impulsive. So I will feel something that act yeah. rather than feel, think, act. Mm-hmm. So I really have to put that that logic piece, like wedge it in between there. Yeah, and and it's it's easier said than done. Like honestly, like it it really really is, and it's essentially just kind of that self awareness, kind of knowing like your your timeline and oh like I always say to people like we're just gonna non judgmentally kind of reflect back. And what things kind of where things kind of butt up. And then that helps to kind of create a game plan as far as moving forward. But it's, it's, it's a huge, it's a huge long, long process. And it's, it's really hard to do for sure, especially if it's like on your own. But I know some have like, whether it's, um, you know, therapist that's able to do that reflection back or partner, whoever they can kind of see things like they're sort of, they're outside of you. So then they can like see and be like, Hey, I'm kind of noticing, just kind of reflecting when they're noticing. It's sometimes like also helpful to kind of uh, start to practice that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I notice it with my kids, especially like, cause I am hyper aware of their, their needs and wants. And when they, I, I can tell when they sense that I'm getting either manic or I'm falling into a depressive mm-hmm. episode. And that's my, that's my catch. That's when I know I need to pull it together, call my therapist, form, do some form of self-care to kind of just combat that episode. Yeah. And also, you know, I think being kind to yourself because no one's perfect, you know, things are going to happen, slips are going to happen. And that's, that's quite natural, you know, and that's, that's okay too. So there's kind of those, you know, ups and downs, but also when it comes to just um, managing things or regulating things, like it's it's going to look the same, right? Because we're human and like not perfect. So perfection would be super hard to do. Yeah. Some people get like really down on themselves, like, oh, gosh, you know, again. And it's like, well, okay, like moving forward, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly that way. I I beat myself up. And I feel guilty about it. And then it's like a cycle. Mm. So it's something that I just have to break free of. But mm. it's a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Before we wrap up, for the listeners, where I know we mentioned like social media and you're doing like your writing. Where can the listeners or viewers go if they want to like find out more about you or read more of your stuff? So my links are on my Instagram, which my handle is my name, Tiffany Romito. Uh, I also have that blog, farmerish.org. And even if you just Google Tiffany Romito, my work will show up. 
So I have a new article for BP Hope coming out next month, and it is the effects of social media and bipolar. So I am excited to see what the response is because I was happy to write about it. That's really cool. Cool. So what I'm going to do is um, I'll put all those things that you mentioned, I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. And then also on like the YouTube channel and everything that way everyone can just kind of easily click, click on it and go, go find you and read all your things. Awesome, Thank you. This is fun. This is my first podcast. So yay. Thanks for doing this. It was a pleasure having you on. It was it was super fun. I always love yeah, it was fun. I love people it. I follow. I'm like, yay. <laughs> All right. We'll take care. All right. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guests are listed in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram, Open Mind Night Pod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.